0: You're listening to To The Spirit Podcast.
1: Hi, friends, and welcome to The Spirit. I'm Beck. And I'm Steph.
0: Hey, Steph. How you doing, Beck? Happy birthday, Steph. Oh, geez, thanks.
1: (laughs) I'm the most horrible co-host slash friend in the world because (laughs) Steph came over and I had no idea it was her birthday
0: today. Can you ask me when it was like a few days ago? (laughs) What is... (laughs) There's times where I forgot my own birthday. That's, I sometimes forget my own yeah. age. <laughs> Am I really that old? I was talking to my brother, Tim, and, and I said, you know, I don't feel old. I still feel young. Like pretty young. I don't look at myself as old. You don't look old. That's good. Yeah. But I said, then I see people that are in their 50s, which were not too far away. And they look like life has defeated them. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I look
1: at people that, you know, we went to school with and life has defeated them.
0: Yeah. What's going on? I don't... You wonder... Sometimes I wonder if it's because we don't have kids and a lot of them do if kids drain the life out of them. Could be that. Not that that's bad. Could be genetics. Maybe genetics. There's someone I saw recently who had like a full head of gray hair Mm -hmm. and she's younger than me. I was like, wow. So I think that's just... That might genetics be genetics, and yeah. I mean, because I have no gray hair. I get like one little oh, lucky you straggler. That's very abnormal looking. Too. I got the
1: Bonnie rate myself, but <laughs> you know, my great grandmother Rebecca went white at eighteen, completely wow.
0: white. That must have been traumatic. I can't imagine. There was someone that I knew. She belonged to a prayer group that I was in. Joined the prayer group because her son went into the military, and I think it was in Afghanistan or somewhere. And right at the prayer group, her hair turned white in front of people. And then what? she got a call that her son was in a bad firefight and his life was in danger. And I never saw her after that. I never knew if her son died or not. But literally her hair turned white. That seems very magical. It does. We're going to be talking about energy. Yeah. In this show, the connection between a mother and a son is very different than a father and, and a child because the mother carries the child. And that you maternal know? instinct, that maternal connection. Yeah, it's much different. I mean, they're sharing everything You're giving your whole life over to that child. So let's
1: talk about energy and plants. There's been conflictive things about plants. You know, the science community says one thing, the esoteric community says another, then the science community says another. It's really conflictive.
0: Well, you know, they're looking for physical science proofs, you know, something that they can tangibly have. Right. So when you're talking about energy, of course we can measure energy. You know, there's certain machinery or whatever we have to measure energy or certain wavelengths that's invisible to our eyes, but we know exists. But I think that to come up with the right type of test to really know how it's responding to that is probably the toughest part. To have a real science, more, I think, scientific evidence showing some response from plants with energy and
1: music. Yeah, I remember... Hearing once uh, about that smell you get when you cut your grass, that's actually the grass screaming <laughs> and releasing a chemical, a defensive chemical. So you're
0: out there mowing your lawn and the
1: grass is screaming.
0: Well, it's amazing how plants communicate to each other because they say, like, there's certain little insects, maybe like a worm or like a caterpillar, will munch on one plant and that munching noise and everything sends a vibration then that plant sends out a chemical signal to the other plants like a distress yeah Yeah. and then they send out a defensive chemical in the plant so that when the bug gets to them it has to stop because this chemical is making it sick right so they have their own defense they're communicating with each other
1: yeah well plant perception or biocommunication is the paranormal idea that plants are sentient that they respond to humans in a manner that amounts to ESP, and that they experience pain and fear. That idea is not accepted by the scientific community. As plants lack nervous systems, it's considered a pseudoscience.
0: Yeah. Have you heard the cries of the carrots? <laughs> <laughs> no. no. Do you I, know what I'm referencing? Is it from... The Tool song. Oh, no. It's like, there, there's a one of those songs, and then... I, I, it sounds I, like a preacher or somebody's like, Do you hear the cries of the carrots? Oh, I
1: thought that was from that weird movie. There was also another movie about food that's in a supermarket. It's all kind of animated and oh, yeah. they're trying to escape. <laughs> in regards to what I was saying about grass, there was a new report that researchers found that they do scream when being cut. There were researchers from Tel Aviv University in Israel. And they had suggested that plants stressed by drought or physical damage may emit high frequency distress noises. Wow. So that's conflictive again. You have scientists saying, oh, no, 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 that's paranormal and that's pseudoscience. And then you've got scientists saying, no, yeah, it's real. And then you've got, which actually this connects to what you were talking about. La Trobe University led research has found that plants are extremely sensitive to touch,
0: mm-hmm. kind of
1: like your caterpillar, and that repeated touching, can significantly retard growth. The lightest touch from a human, animal, insect, or even other plants touching each other in the wind triggers a huge gene response in the plant, Professor Whalen said. Trees talk. They share resources right under our feet using a fungal network nicknamed the Wood Wide Web. (laughs) (laughs) Some plants use the system to support their offspring while others hijack it to sabotage their rivals. The height of a tree... Above ground is the height of the roots beneath ground. Mirror image.
0: That's pretty deep. I mean, we have some ginormous trees yeah, around here. Yeah, it is
1: amazing. Speaking about touching and networking and all that, I remember somebody I know, I won't say their name, would grow marijuana plants. And they had a little warehouse going on. Yeah. And he would play classical music and these plants would just produce these beautiful buds. And he had to leave. They had people coming in in shifts, you know, doing this growing. He who shall not be named. And he told them, you know, continue with the routine. But what they did was they started playing death metal. And when he came back for his shift, those plants looked like they were dying.
0: Wow! And I think that there's definitely been uh, people experimenting with death metal with plants. I think they've done classical music. They've done... uh, you know rock music they have and i think there was one that i read that the plants were actually growing towards and around the speakers that the music was coming from and it was classical music like they just started going towards it i don't know maybe those vibrations i mean we feel it you know when we yeah. listen to certain types of music it you know A- affects our energy our psyche yeah, everything our emotions yeah. everything and it's true like sometimes we just i need to listen to pantera yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah,
1: but you're in that rageful (laughs) moment, you know, but when you're feeling all stressed out and conflicted, you don't want to hear that. You want to hear something calming or loving or or depressing, I guess, maybe, I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this article that I'm reading that is saying, how can this behavior be explained? How can plants respond to music? Many of the researchers who conducted these experiments, Singh and Retleck among them, I don't know who they are, but probably the scientists, concluded that plants exhibit an empathetic response to the music were hearing. It is worth noting that they also had many fringe beliefs. Retelec also thought that plants were capable of extrasensory perception, ESP, Mm -hmm. and shield away from rock music because of the lyrics. The best scientific theory as to how music helps plants grow is through how the vibration of the sound waves affects the plant, which I'm more inclined to that. That's the vibration coming from it. Yeah. Plants transport nutrients, proteins, or organelles, don't know what that word is, in their fluids, cytoplasm, through a process called cytoplasmic streaming. The vibration of certain types of music and sound may help stimulate this process. In nature, the plants may grow advantageously around birdsong or areas with strong breezes. Makes so, sense. Yeah, really interesting. I
1: saw a video a uh, week ago, maybe, and it was showing a couple. That were trying to grow plants, and they were very unsuccessful. <laughs> they didn't have green thumbs, or for whatever reason, their plants weren't growing. But they placed a large crystal to the side of the plant. And I kid you not, on the side where they placed the crystal, the plant grew over to the side where the crystal was placed. Hmm. So it actually started dropping and drooping over like it was growing towards that, that crystal, which we know crystals hold
0: energy. It's interesting. I mean, all plants are, I I think this is the right word, like heliocentric or something like that. They follow the sun. I always wondered why in different parks where they've planted new trees, why they're tethered. It's because of that. If they're not tethered down when they're young, they start growing to the side. Yeah,
1: they do. Yeah. And
0: so it's extraordinary too that even though we can't see them moving, they're moving very, very slowly. (laughs) Well, they also have, I think when they're young like that, they have a weaker structure. Even when I had gotten
1: a baby willow tree i had to tie it and tether it up to yeah. a stake to hold it upright so that it didn't go sideways yeah. and the wind wouldn't take it and rip it out of the ground we know that there's energy and exchanges of energy between plants we've seen studies on that we've we've seen videos and heard stories and and things like that but what about words words are vibrations of nature Therefore, beautiful words can create beautiful nature.
0: Mm-hmm. Ugly
1: words create ugly nature. That is the root of the universe. And that was by Dr. Emoto, who is pretty well known Yeah, for his experiments.
0: But it's it, there's some controversy with him, too, where they're saying his science is a pseudoscience. And that bothered me. I was like, that's not fair. You know, I mean, like, why won't they? Well, why don't they try it themselves? I know. Like, I was I was actually talking to a doctor about this. Oh, that's not scientific. That's not real scientific study. I was like, I know, but why isn't anyone paying attention to this? And to me, it's it means a lot. I think there are certain things that ring true and you feel it in your gut. And th- this is one of those things. Yeah. I mean, um, well, we know personally that the power of prayer. In the Catholic Church, the words mean everything. You know, like, prayer is, is super important. Baptism, it's words and it's water. Right. Then when a priest is becoming a priest or, you know, I guess a seminarian is being ordained to become a priest, that bishop has to put hands on the priest and say words. And some automatically they're a priest. (laughs) You know, like, how do these words matter and Mm -hmm. who made them matter or put power behind it? There's also the Eucharist in the Catholic Church. You know, the priest takes the Eucharist and then says words over it and then... It's no more the Eucharist; it's the body and blood of Christ. That's the belief, and that takes a lot of faith. But at the same time, you know, people who do believe, and there's been a lot of miracles with the Eucharist that exist. So it's something that I know for me is always been important. I know that whenever I've been screamed or yelled at as a kid, how you feel after uh, that experience is uh, very powerful, you know. Or if someone says something kind to you, how powerful that is. So we know that this has a ripple effect.
1: True. And Dr. Emoto, what he did was he had placed rice into three glass beakers, and then he filled the beakers with enough water to submerge the rice. The first beaker, he states the phrase in Japanese, thank you. In the second beaker, he says, you're an idiot, and ignores the third. Now, a month later, the rice that was thanked fermented and gave a pleasant smell. The rice that was affronted turned black. And finally, the rice that was ignored began to rot. Is it possible that our powerful mind and speech also has an effect on the elements
0: of our universe too? Energy cannot be destroyed. You know, it just moves on, changes or moves to the next. Our words, they don't stop. They keep going and they exist forever. Now we can't hear the vibration of those words, but that energy that was used to do it goes out into the universe and it's there forever. So it's something that when you see the accumulation of violence war all these all these problems that you see now and no one can say anything nice everyone is accusing someone of something and everyone's a victim right now you can feel it to me it's t- it's been tangible for years
1: yeah a decade this cancel culture bullshit going on <laughs> you know yeah really
0: it's, it's it puts people in fear mhm no one has any humility it's all about you know who's pointing the finger at who no one wants to listen to each other no I can see that. And also, did you read about what he did with the water and freezing the water? No. Different types of water? No. He also would take water from different sources. He would use water that was microwaved, water from the faucet, water from a running stream, spring water, things like that. And he would do the same thing, say words to it, then freeze it and look at the crystal formation after it's frozen. And he says, the, the ugliest water, without saying anything to it was, I think, microwaved water. He said it looked, oh, like, deformed. Scary. Really, yeah. Yeah. Because usually when they freeze, it develops a beautiful pattern. Right. Like a snowflake. Yes. Mm. it looked, They kind of look like snowflakes underneath the microscope. He said spring water was the most beautiful frozen. After that, I think stream water. He said tap water was pretty bad looking, too. So he would say, like, you know, rude things to it, terrible things, and nice things. And then when he would examine it, like, he said something very terrible to one he said it looked demonic. Like when he saw the image, it looked like there was something demonic in it. Okay. I said that the crystal formation was very, almost looked like it had an evil face in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when he said words of gratitude, he says those were the most beautiful words of gratitude. Because they were so beautiful. And he said it was very clear that something was happening. Also, you know how people bless their meals before they eat in many cultures. And to me, you know, when we were re-looking at this to do the show, I was like, yeah, I got to really start blessing my food because I think it might help (laughs) with health or something you know I'm starting to think it might really help also saying thank you
1: yeah for sure and even with your water I mean there are many people that go out and they bring their water out under the full moons and bless Mm -hmm. them and jar them and drink them it's their moon water
0: yes I've heard of that yeah
1: and it's supposed to hold a certain energy and a healing
0: might be some mosquitoes in there too yeah might be something (laughs) floating around especially out
1: here (laughs) But water, like many substances, contains two kinds of energy. And this energy is used during the execution of processes such as movement. Because of kinetic energy, water can flow and waves can exist. But water can also contain potential energy. This theory exists that running water is also a great conductor of paranormal activity. Areas such as Eureka Springs, where natural springs run through the town, around hotels and local resorts, have shown that high reports of paranormal activity Now, this could be because of the amount of energy that's being exerted naturally to transport the water. There is also more thoughts on this theory as to why this may fuel paranormal activity. Another connection could possibly be the fact that water itself is said to be a good insulator of electricity. Now, we know that a lot of people associate different forms of electricity and electromagnetic fields with the paranormal phenomena. It means thinking in this same light that it would not be too far of a stretch to assume that a large flowing stream of water next to a location could potentially be fueling this phenomena in the same way an electrical source does. An insulator itself doesn't conduct an electrical current, but pure water that has salts, etc.,
0: mm-hmm.
1: does not act as a conductor. Distilled water, tap or boiled water does. One would assume that all streams, lakes, oceans next to locations would contain pure water. What you have, though, is essentially something that could possibly set the right conditions to fuel paranormal phenomena. <laughs> I found that to be true for my own work with EVP. I started by taking Mm -hmm. showers and recording because Mm -hmm. I found the water to be not only a conduit for the voices to come through. They manipulated and used the sounds of the water to speak. But also I felt a little more psychic phenomenon, more intuition happening when I was in the shower. I I would hear it more with my ear uh, live. You know, I'd hear my name or I'd hear something being said and I'd repeat it on the recorder that was recording i get a lot of good ideas on the shower too it's like something uh, a purifying opening process that brings through creative ideas through the flowing of the water
0: but that's pretty good i don't have any like to me taking a shower is it's <laughs> like all right let's get this over with oh really i really enjoy <laughs> it i do not enjoy showers i'm like oh. no i don't know why I used to like baths a lot and I would do candles and put on Sarah McLaughlin and listen. <laughs> little sade. <laughs> Some shade. <laughs> do not do baths anymore. But I'll say one thing, there going in nature to me like is very important. So I love going to go for a walk in the woods or in a park or by a lake. By the lake. And I noticed going to a beach the ocean, you feel so different after that. It's To me, it's the most um, relaxed relaxed and changed I feel after an experience more than anything else is actually at the ocean. I agree. And I can't say I've gone too much because we live in the middle of near. I mean, I find some lakes to be that way, too. If you go down like Ontario Lake,
1: it's such a strong current. It's very much like many ocean. Yes. I walk out of there exhaust. Like, I sleep well the night that I come back from the beach.
0: Yes. But water
1: has been used for spiritual rituals and protection. So water is often used in ceremonies and rituals among different spiritual and religious groups. In many cultures, water is thought to be the very essence of life. We as humans ourselves are made up of mostly water. Around 70% of the world is covered in water. People use it for a range of spiritual and religious purposes. Water is used for baptisms, as you said, as water is the Christian sign of divine life. Water that has been blessed by a priest is considered to be the best spiritual protection against demonic forces. Mm -hmm. Moon water, like I spoke about earlier, is used by other spiritual people as a form of protection against spirits by charging that water from powerful beams from the moon. It is thought to be one of the ultimate sources of magic. It's also used for healing, fertility, beauty, and emotional abundance. Water itself plays such an integral part of our daily life that it's a little wonder that people have connected it to the paranormal. Quite simply, if we as living beings do not get water in some way, shape, or form, we will die. Mm -hmm. It really is the essence of life.
0: I feel very in tune with nature in that I feel calmed down. And I feel like, yeah, you're probably more prone to meditation and prayer. It calms every part of me down and like i feel really rested usually from going and it makes me want to go back when i'm really stressed i'll go rollerblading or I'll walk in the woods and it resets i feel like i'm reset Water's super important that's what we're always looking for out in the universe you yeah. know on another planet is the sign of life which is water. It's true there has been
1: some weird things with water too like water falling everywhere but coming from nowhere hmm. rain falls from a perfectly cloudless sky or it falls in a faucet like steady stream Rain poltergeists.
0: I've never heard of that.
1: 1892, a peach tree was the sole beneficiary of a bizarre rain that came down in Pennsylvania. Witnesses said the rain seemed to come out of thin air just several feet above the tree and fall in an area about 14 feet surrounding the thirsty tree. Water poltergeists, there's water that drops seemingly from nowhere. Outside is one thing, but when it occurs indoors without any logical cause, that's another thing. Paranormal researchers have in many cases found that this water manifestation to an element of poltergeist activity that is occurring in the house. Usually there are other symptoms as well, banging on the walls, doors opening and closing on their own accord, lights going on and off, odd odors, and more. It's thought that this poltergeist phenomenon is kind of a psychic activity generated by a member of the household. I had that happen to me. (laughs) What? When I lived on Pennock, I had a sleepover and... We Oh, the drip from the ceiling. Yeah, we were seeing water dripping from the ceiling. We had a mirrored apartment upstairs, but there was no water flow to the living room. It was mirrored. So our living room was their living room. And Mm -hmm. nobody lived up there. But when we got up to touch the spot where the water was dripping, it was dry. That's weird. I have no explanation for that. We were kids, too. We were like 13, maybe. Mm -hmm. We all saw it, though, and we just didn't know what the hell that was. But accompanying that was dragging sounds going across the ceiling
0: that's scary I know I saw a television program that was about hauntings and it could have been the show the haunt, uh, haunting that was on it was at A&E or whatever but one of those shows this guy I don't know how he, he definitely was possessed that's how it ended up you know he was possessed but such weird phenomena was happening around him and uh, I think their family had gone to a Protestant pastor who when he witnessed this person knew he wouldn't be able to deal with it was so serious so they got i think a catholic priest but stuff would happen in the house they'd call the police because they didn't know what to do <laughs> and it was raining in the house so water was coming out of nowhere and it was because of this guy he was possessed and so the police came so they have the real police giving their testimony saying listen we went into this house water was dripping everywhere off the walls off the ceiling we couldn't find a source and then they called a plumber and they'd had, couldn't find, couldn't find any source, and yet would disappear. So what happened was it was the demonic that was existing in this person. So he said that he would go into this state, and he could rub his fingers together, and then that it would start. And so they actually put him—I don't know if it was a hospital room or if he had to go. and They went to the jail cell because he was losing control of himself, and he might have gotten in trouble. They could have put him in jail. Mm-hmm. And he did it when he was in jail, too, so he rubbed his fingers together, and then the jail the wa- the started water. dripping. Yeah. Wow. I was like, that's really freaky. There's some,
1: yeah. I mean, there's tons of accounts of this. There's one from 1963 of the Martin family in Massachusetts, and they were forced to move from their home because of their water poltergeist. And in this case, apart from the water dripping from the walls and ceilings, it was on occasion described as literally spurting from various points throughout the house. Hmm. Unfortunately, moving didn't help. The phenomenon continued in the new home of the Martins. So that actually followed them.
0: Wow. You know, I don't know what it is. Does it have its own life force like earth thoughts or does it have a a thinking think about drinking dead water you get sick if you go
1: over and drink uh, water that does not move Mm -hmm. that's just still in a pond oh yeah you'd be
0: oh yeah you could die from the meat the amoebas would yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well holy places right so lord france Mm -hmm. saint bernadette the incorruptible we talked about another show she was told by the Virgin Mary, dig here. And the weird thing that Our Lady told her to do is when you dig in the ground, wash your face with the dirt and eat the plants that are there. And she had to do that. And then where she dug, then it started filling up with water. Right. And now it's this place that is like a spring and people go bathe themselves in it for healing. And they said so there's nothing when they test the water, there's nothing in it that's spectacular. Just like spring Just water. water.
1: Yeah. So we have plants that have energy. We have water that clearly shows that energy can be transferred through it. And then we even have railroad tracks. Mm-hmm. Railroad tracks, it's said that properties that are very close to railroad tracks or that have one running through it have a higher possibility for paranormal activity because railroads act as a vortex for ghosts to pass through. other states because of the energy that the tracks produce and carry paranormal activity. Think about where I live right now. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you have a train and you have a river and a
1: lake. And down in the basement, what's going off right now?
0: Your sump pump. It's
1: going <laughs> off like every five minutes. We are the only house in the area with a basement that's below the water table, so I have constant running water moving under the house.
0: I know. Plus, the water moving in front of your house. So. Right. So, I have pretty good. You're surrounded by water. I
1: am, and I, <laughs> and energy. Um, mm-hmm. So when I do sessions, I think a lot of the energy is fueled by everything that's around this property.
0: Well, look at Syracuse. I mean, just our area anyways. We're loaded with water sources everywhere. Right. It seems like it's never ending. Flooding's a big risk for up here. Some other areas, too. Lake Ontario was last year. It was flooded very badly. Syracuse was dug out, wasn't it? I mean... Syracuse was a big swamp yeah, in the beginning. I'm like, why would they put the effort into doing that? That's a huge feat of like engineering, you know?
1: Well, didn't they reroute the Erie Canal as well? I thought that where the train station is, where the people stand, where the statues were, wasn't that part of the Erie Canal at one it point? It went
0: through downtown. I know Erie Boulevard right. was a canal. exactly. And that's why it has potential for flooding when the heavy rains come. Yes, We have the lime beds next to the lake. That's a natural hilly area that we have right up against our lake that was put there through um, processing uh, lime, the lime quarries quarries or whatever. To me, Syracuse has a very negative feel. It's a gloomy city. It's cloudy Mm -hmm. most of the time. Very similar to out west to, like, Seattle. Seattle, yeah, rainy. I think we get more rain than England. Yeah, I don't know what the rain is like in England, but that's their big joke yeah. about their weather in the country. But to me, I mean, I've been to England. I thought it was a lot nicer than than we have.
1: Yeah, but you were only there for, like, a week or two.
0: That's true. That's true. It was in the winter, but I thought it was more pleasant to deal with. <laughs> One but week of English February weather. You touched upon granite and limestone. Yeah.
1: Um, limestone granite there's a theory that suggests that large amounts of limestone and granite can act as conductors again for paranormal activity many places built near or on limestone granite have some sort of paranormal activity attached to them there's many thoughts as to why these natural elements may be conductors of paranormal activity there's even the limestone theory by michael Nudo. attached to this is called the stone tape theory So it was thought that this particular theory, though officially named Stone Tape because of a movie, there was an archaeologist who became a self-proclaimed parapsychologist in 1961, and he released a book called Ghost and Ghoul. His theory was that ghosts themselves are not a supernatural phenomena. His theory was that traumatic events such as murder or suicide could be absorbed by its surroundings, most specifically a kind of moist rock or stone. And that's Hmm. the Stone Tape theory. So if there was a tragic event, it was almost imprinted into that rock.
0: Well, what are the residual hauntings? You know, a lot of people think that's. Yeah, I mean, it's a why? It's constant couldn't it? on repeat. It's like, it seems like a, a tape on a reel, you know, right. keep on, it keeps on repeating the same strange stuff.
1: I'm wondering what differentiates a whetstone or rock from perhaps a piece of wood?
0: I, that I don't know. I mean, they were saying, we were saying earlier, water is conductive. So I don't know. I can see residual hauntings happening around water, maybe seeing the lady that drowned in the lake. Her ghost type of deal. There's a lot of stories I've listened to where they thought maybe that was the reason that this one house it was a haunting in Georgia. If you remember that story, the haunting series, and I think they said that there was uh, definite quartz or you know something going on in the area deep in the ground. They thought was creating a residual haunting at this person's house. I think that's people trying to make sense of something. Obviously, they didn't do a scientific. You know, how do you prove that? But it's hard to prove. But then you have Like when I did my interview with Tom Stevens
1: in New Hampshire, the granite state where he's located is around a bunch of mountains and there's granite everywhere. Yeah, And he talked about how his state seemed to be this hotbed of paranormal activity from UFOs to alien encounters to paranormal things. And you got to wonder, is it because he resides in the granite state? Does it really maybe it does have something to do with that?
0: Maybe the aliens want granite countertops in their spaceships. (laughs) keep the cows we want the granite <laughs> countertops we're tired of metal no more metal countertops that would make for a really heavy ship though <laughs>
1: the granite the, the granite's
0: so heavy well in outer space everything's not heavy you're just suspended in uh... but you got to get that shit up there <laughs> yeah i know they they know what they know how to do it
1: yeah they've got their own boosters <laughs> they can hit warp speeds, scotty
0: Going back to energy and experiencing, like we were talking about the beach, would you ever hear of grounding? Yeah. Okay. So like grounding is something that they suggest to people is take your shoes off and walk on the ground because... It helps get the bad um, energy just pulls right down
1: through your feet into the ground and then pushes back up that good, fresh Mother Earth energy Yeah. into you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, there was a scientific reason. They said it's true. I don't know if it's the charged particles or whatever. Like, I guess from wearing rubber soles, that stops a lot of these particles, you know, like makes sense. Particles from the earth. that are like charged particles. Yeah. I mean, if lightning body,
1: hits and you've got rubber shoes on. Are you saved? I don't know. I remember hearing rubber; it's not conductive. So yeah,
0: also the the tapping. Do you ever do the the tapping?
1: I've heard of that. The, is it called EFT
0: or CFT? C- yeah, yeah. And I've done that before. Sometimes I do it every once in a while. I'll find something online, but you tap certain areas of your body over and over and over again, and you switch from like the top of your head to underneath your eyes, on your chin, your wrists, and then you cycle through that. I always feel like I'm reset. It does do something, I don't know what it is, with the meridians in your body or the energy points that they're, it's trying to balance that out. And I think that works, personally. It makes you feel relaxed. Master the energy flow. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that just about does it for our energy episode. I think we covered quite a bit of things in a small amount of time for us being completely unprofessionals. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We're the conduits. We are. Of information. We're not the experts of information.
1: Definitely (laughs) not. But we do look at it in a logical, scientific way. I see both sides of the story here. Yes.
0: I love this subject. Me too. I'm back. And this is Steph. Please bless your food, your rice. Don't get your rice angry at you. Yes. And your water. Bless it and it'll bless you back. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye. To the spirit. Podcast. Supernatural science. ghost, 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 ghost. Psychic. Mystic. Spirits. Divine source. Heaven. The dead. It's magic.